0: And we're going to get started. Father, we thank you, Lord. We welcome you. Lord, we welcome you because you are the King of Kings. And Lord, on this Palm Sunday, as we begin Passion Week, Holy Week, Lord, your your last week walking this earth, Jesus, before you went to the cross and did what you came to do, Lord. And, And they hailed you as Messiah and Savior on this Sunday, waving palm branches and welcome you in welcome you in to to Jerusalem, and then just a few days later, they're crying for your crucifixion and your life. Lord, we know why you came, and Lord, we thank you that we get to look forward to celebration next weekend of all that you've done for us. We know you love us so much, and we love you back, Lord, because you loved us first. So we say thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way today in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to be in the book of Acts today, and for those of you that need help finding it, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, help me find it. But the book of Acts, sometimes called the book of the Acts of the Disciples, but really it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Disciples. And, and we're in a series this week, or we're, we're continuing our series called, we am just checking, 8.30, there was one person who knew the name of the series that we're in. You guys remember? Okay, I thought, I, I told 8.30, 10.30 was going to do better. What was it, Mila? Okay, Shay, all right, okay, thank you for our youth. They have, they have brain cells that still work. We are that church, Amen. And, and when we say that church, I mean, that can have different intonations, right? Because it could be, we, oh, you're that church, or you're that church. And, and we really want to be the church that Jesus says, you know what, this is my church, amen? And so we're going to be talking about today, in the book of Acts, we're going to be talking about fruits and nuts. And how many of you know that in church you can talk about fruits and nuts? How many of you know that fruit is good? Except for the apple. No, it's like, I know, I joke with my son all the time. I go, why do you have an iPhone? Look at, look at, the, look at the, the logo that's on the back. What is the back of the, what is the logo? It's an apple. And what's taken out of the apple? A bite. It's like, okay, we won't go there. And I know, it's like, oh, you apple, no, I'm not an apple hater. But anyway, I digress. Fruit is good, amen? Spiritual fruit. And what about Nuts. I don't know, nuts is just nuts, right? And sometimes we don't want to be categorized as nuts, and sometimes it's good to be called nuts. But we're going to be finding out this morning what it means to truly bear fruit and bear witness for Jesus, and what it means to be a nut that sometimes is like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to go there. But we're in the book of Acts, chapter 1. Verses 4 to 8, so if you got your Bibles, follow with me, if not, it'll be up on the screen. And this is Jesus right before his ascension into heaven, right? He had been crucified, he had been resurrected, he had been hanging and walking and eating with his disciples for 40 days after his resurrection, getting ready for his ascension back into heaven, and he's, he's giving them final instructions before he leaves. Because Jesus told them, you know what, I will be leaving this world, but... I will not leave you orphans, right? And he had told them, he had made promise to them that the Father would be sending another. And so here we go in verse 4, Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Right? So I've already told you this. So now wait, right? Wait, stay in Jerusalem, do not depart, because the promise is coming. And you've already heard this from me. For John truly baptized with water, and you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, right? So right after Jesus had told them, wait, this promise I've already told you, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. What is the first question that the disciples asked? When they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So you can already see that the, the disciples were completely in a different mindset. They're in a d- completely different realm. Jesus is talking about kingdom things. And the disciples are still thinking about life on earth, right? On planet earth. As, as, as man, as humans. It's like, okay, Lord, is the overthrow coming? Right? You're the Messiah. You're the Savior. So now are, are, are we finally going to be free? Are God's people, is Israel finally going to be free from the bondage of the Romans, right? Been the Egyptians before, God freed them from that. Now it's living under Roman rule, and it's like, is this the time, Jesus? Are we finally going to be free? And it's like, well, you don't even understand what I'm talking to you about. And so he brings it back, and he says, it is not for you, right? It's not for you to know Times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Nobody knows. Right? Who knows when Jesus is coming back? Does Jesus know when he's coming back? He knows when he's coming back, when his Father tells him. Amen? But no man knows when Jesus is coming back. And he's basically, Jesus is basically telling his disciples, stop worrying about things of man. Stop worrying about things of this world. I'm talking to you about the kingdom. So stop worrying about those things. Don't even go there. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, right? baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So the whole purpose of the new church, the new covenant church, the New Testament church, post-Jesus, is summed up right here. Church is not about just coming together and feeling good and saying, you know what, I'm going to come to church, I'm going to attend church, I'm going to mark it off my checklist, and I'm all good because God wants us to be better people. I don't know about you, but the Bible that I read doesn't really talk about just being a better person. The church is all about... Be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. What does a witness do? Come on, church. 8.30. 8.30, they were kind of sleeping. This is 10.30. What does a witness do? Spreads a message. What else? Witness will stand by you. What else? Amen. Testify, right? See, at 8.30, it was early. They just woke up. So when I said, what does a witness do... The answer was, oh, witnesses, they witness. <laughs> it's like, amen. Amen. That's a good church. What does a witness do? Oh, uh, we witness. Anybody here ever had jury duty? Okay. Serve your country. If you're not going to go off to war, at least go to court. Go to jury duty, right? What do, what do witnesses do when they get called to the stand? They testify. And when you testify, you're supposed to be telling the truth. So help me. And they're trying to take that out. They don't even want the Bible in the courtroom anymore. It's just, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Don't worry about God. I'm just saying, will you do that? God's being taken out of everything. But Jesus is saying, you will have power to be my witness. The whole purpose of the church is to go out and be God's witness, to testify of who God is and how good He is and how much He loves you and how much He has changed your life. It's called being transformed. Right? It's not to just come together and say, let's go to church and be safe and let's stay in the church and let's all just feel good with one another and then we'll go back to, to living life as usual Monday through Saturday. God says, be my witness. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. Okay, you don't you don't need to raise your hand, but in the last seven days, since you've been to church, or hopefully you've been to church, but if you've been to this church, in the last seven days, and don't raise your hand, how many of you in the last seven days have gone out and have witnessed for Jesus? And I don't mean you gotta go and and stand on a, a soapbox in front of Walmart or do anything crazy. I'm just saying, how many of you have testified? of what God has done in your life to just one person, right? And if you're like, oh, wow, I never do that this week. This is not condemnation, but it's conviction for all of us because God says his church is to bear witness to him. And every day we should be going out testifying of who God is and what he has done for us, amen? It's not about coming together. It's about coming together to go out and be his witnesses. Jesus said, you know what? Wait in Jerusalem, and the promise is coming. Power is coming. Power is coming to be my witness. Because if you don't have this power, you cannot be my witness. How many of you have tried to witness on your own? We can do a lot of things on our own. How many of you think you have credentials? Come on, raise your hand. I know some of you are like, oh, I get it, but I am not going to raise my hand. How many of you think you could do some pretty amazing things? Come on. Okay, all right. How many of you know that to do the greater things, we need the Spirit of God? Amen? We can't do the greater things in our own strength. And part of it is, when Jesus said, wait, because power is coming, the Holy Spirit, baptism with the Holy Spirit. A lot of our our misconceptions and our our false views of the power of the Holy Spirit and baptism with the Holy Spirit has been brought about, not because of what God has done through His Holy Spirit, but because of what man has done. How many of you have watched... Things on TV, right, tele doing things that, have you ever wondered, like, wow, God, is that you? You ever watch something, or you ever been a part of a church? Because many of us have been raised in Pentecostal churches too. We're in the middle of service, people are running around, and they're screaming, they're laughing, they're rolling around, they're barking like dogs. They're doing things that it's like, is that you, God, or is that man? Have you ever had that? Okay, it's just me and Howard. But I've seen some crazy things. And I've seen some things that have made me kind of question like, Holy Spirit. Baptism with the Holy Spirit. Do I really want that? Because I've seen some crazy things, God. Is that really you? Or is that man? And how many of you know that God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And... A lot of it is beyond our understanding. Amen? Because if it's not, then that's a small God. But how many of you also know, by reading his word, that our God does things in power, but he has a purpose? He doesn't just do stuff just because, well, watch this. Calling everybody in heaven, watch this. I'm going to freak them out because watch what I'm going to do. God doesn't operate that way. Our God is loving. Our God is is merciful. But our God is powerful. And he said, I want to give you my power. And part of the whole thing about Holy Spirit power and the baptism with the Holy Spirit, a lot of times we get messed up in our minds saying, I don't want that because I've seen some crazy stuff, some crazy people. Ask yourself, is that man or is that God? And I know sometimes we, we, we seem to follow man more than we do God. We trust religious leaders sometimes more than we trust the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And we've got to be careful. Because if someone ever tells you, I have the perfect church, I know the perfect church, all I can tell you is, do not go. There is no perfect church. Amen? Why? Why? Because there is no perfect person. There is no perfect man. And we live in a day and time where trust and anxiety and confusion runs rampant. How many of you know that we're in the last days? If you didn't know, I'm going to tell you. We're in the last days. How many of you are following the elections? I know. It's either I'm following it because it's crazy or I'm not following it because it's crazy. Now, how many of you can imagine, right? In just a very short time, very possible it's either going to be somebody named the Donald. I know some of you like the duck. No, not that duck, Donald. The Donald or the Hillary that's going to be the President of the United States of America. Is that scary? That's scary. But well, we can do write-in ballots. Everybody said, let's write in Marty's name for president. Marty for president. <laughs> I'm voting for Marty. We live in a crazy time. And we've got to be careful who we follow. But if the Bible says that the Holy Spirit and the baptism with the Holy Spirit is given for power, not given for craziness, not to make us nuts, it's to help us to bear fruit, then who are we going to believe? The Bible, or what people are saying, or what people are doing, and how people are acting up. But it's easy because it's hard to trust people in this day and age. You know, Gallup does a poll every year. Every year they do a poll and they survey which are the most trustworthy and, and honorable professions to have a job in and the latest survey was done in December of last year, so just a few months ago, and they asked Americans, out of these 21 job professions, would you say that you have a very high or a high value of the honesty and the ethics and the integrity and the trustworthiness of the profession and the people who are in this profession? You know what was at the bottom of the list? Number 21, pretty close, politicians, best friends, lobbyists, we're at the very bottom. Only 7% said they had high trust or very high trust in lobbyists. You know what was one point above that? Telemarketers, members of Congress, and car salespeople. <laughs> and if you sell cars, I'm not knocking you, but I'm just saying this is how people, View us, right? Only 8% said that they have a high value or a very high value of trust and ethics in these people. You know what was at the top of the list, number one? And it's been at the top of the list ever since it was added to the list. Number one, nurses. Any nurses here? All right, nurses. My daughter's a nurse. Hallelujah. I know, now you guys are going to have a higher opinion of my daughter than me. But that's okay, because that's what the survey says. 85% of Americans have either a high or a very high trust in nurses. And ever since, I think it's been 15 years that they've been added to the list, they always have come out number one. You know where pastors and ministers and, and priests and clergy are on the list? I know some of you are like, uh, maybe one point above uh, car salespeople. people. No, we're in the top ten. Oh, hallelujah for that. We're in the top ten. We come in at number six. Oh, wow. Was that a surprise? Like, whoa. Number six, the percentage of Americans who have a very high or a high view of the ethics and the integrity of leaders of God's church 45%. So basically, that says less than half of Americans that were surveyed think that God's leaders, pastors, ministers, priests, people that are leading God's churches and people are very ethical or trustworthy. That's kind of a scary thing. But you know who that's on? That's on us. Because every time you read the paper, what do you see? Scandals, right? Right? people taking money, people molesting boys and kids. I mean, it, it, it runs rampant, and that's on us. And so we came in at number six. You know who's above us in positions two, three, four, and five? Pharmacists. So at least most people think they're getting the right medication, right? <laughs> Medical doctors are number three. High school teachers, I know the students here are going, really? (laughs) High school teachers, and then police officers. 56% of American surveys have a very high view of the ethics and integrity of our police officers. So I know what you guys are saying. Oh, wow. Pastor Garrett, you guys are kind of low on the poll. We are. And that's on us. And if any of you have been in a church or any of you have seen stuff that have, you know, kind of, oh, man, that's crazy. I don't know if I ever want to be a part of church. Or I don't know if I want to be a part of anything that has to do with Jesus because of what God's people have represented. Then I apologize. On our behalf, I apologize. And ask your forgiveness for that. Because man is not supposed to be leading God's people By man's ways. Amen? By his ways. Does that mean we're all perfect? No. Kind of close, but no. We're not even close. What does the Bible say? How many have fallen short? All. All have sinned and fallen short. Of God's glorious standard. The only way we can even come close is by the power of his Holy Spirit. Turn with me, if you have your Bible, to John chapter 15. Because in order to bear witness, in order to testify, what do we need? We need testimony. Right? Without testimony, how do we testify? We got to testify of what God has done in our lives, of who he is. And that what God promises, he actually does. John chapter 15, verses 5 to 8, says this. I am the vine, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Turn to your, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you know what? Without Jesus, you can do nothing. And I know some of you are like, yeah, I already knew that. But Jesus clearly says, without me, you can do nothing. With me, you will bear much fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it should be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples, my followers. You want to follow Jesus? You got to bear fruit. You want to bear fruit? You got to be connected to the vine. That's Jesus. Jesus. And what he was trying to tell the disciples as he was getting ready to leave is, physically I'm no longer going to be here. I will no longer be with you. But my father has promised another who will take my place and be with you forever. And that's God in the person of his Holy Spirit. The Lord takes it very seriously when he says bear fruit. Because he says those that do not bear fruit, what happens? They wither away. They get thrown into the fire. I don't know about you, but I don't want to follow Jesus to be thrown into the fire. I want to follow Jesus to be ushered in to the most incredible party that you've ever been to. And it's going to go on, how long? forever. Anybody here ever been to a party on planet earth that said, you know what, we're starting now, and when is the party going to end? Oh, it ain't going to end. What do you mean it's not going to end? Yeah, this party doesn't end. Anybody ever gone to a party? No end? I know some of you are like, I, I, I thought it was a party that didn't end. There's going to be celebration in heaven that doesn't end. I want to be a part of that party. And Jesus says, you want to follow me? Bear much fruit. You want to bear fruit? You got to be connected to me. You want to be connected to me? I'm no longer here. It's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit. So what kind of fruit are we supposed to bear? Galatians chapter 5. Turn with me. Verses 22 to 26, I'm going to read this one off the screen, the Bible on the screen. But the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of what? The Spirit. Which Spirit? The Holy Spirit. God's Spirit. The fruit of His Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And I know already some of you are like, oh, I don't want that gift. That's part of the fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. What's another word for long-suffering? I know some of you are like marriage. Don't even go there. <laughs> that is not another word for long-suffering. That is an earthly thing. Fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering is patience. Patience. How many of you are patient? Nobody raised their hand. Okay, we got to pray for this fruit. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you have issues with self-control? And the ones that aren't raising your hands. Yeah, a lot of us have issues with self-control. When's the last time you lost it? I know some of us is like, no, I don't want to tell you because it was right before I walked in the door. <laughs> Self control is not something to try harder, to get a little bit closer. You know what? None of these fruit are accomplished by trying harder. You know, I love my son. He's a he's a volleyball fan. We go to UH Men's volleyball and and He always wants to sit like as close to the court as possible. And he wants to yell at the the guys that are playing. He's like, try harder. (laughs) Because if there's one thing that you can't stand when you pay good money for something and you go to a game and it looks like they're like, whatever. We're losing anyway, right? And what does Noah tell me? He goes, dad, they need to try harder. So what do I tell him? Tell him that. So he's like, try harder. But how many of you know... That the fruit of the spirit, anything of the spirit, you can't try harder to get it. Because trying harder is only in the flesh. We can try as hard as we want and we're not going to get there. And you can say, no, but I have love. I walk around campus and I I tell people all the time, I'm the master of love. Whose definition of love are we talking about? That's not God's definition. It's like, oh, but I'm joy. When I come to the party, joy is here. Peace, right? All of these things we can't get by trying harder. You know what the best selling genre of books are now? Worldwide, the best selling genre of books self help. Self help. You can help yourself. There's a book to tell you how to help, to help you be better at this, at that, at this, at that. You can be better at love, you can be better at joy, you can be better at peace, you can better at you can be better at business, you can be better at whatever you want to be better at. There's a book to help you be better. In the US alone, every year, do you know how much Americans spend on self-help books and tapes and programs? Over a billion dollars every single year. You know who you're helping? You're not helping yourself. You're helping the people that are putting out these books and the things that they say are going to help you. How successful do you think self-help is? Not very. You know what they say? The people that are buying up all these books... Every year, right about 80% of them are coming back for more. Why? Because it's not working. And if something is not working, why do we keep going back to the things that are not working? Why? Because we want to try harder. Write that down in your Bible. Write Write that down in your notes. Do not try harder. Because God didn't tell us, try hard to be good people. He said, receive power from my Holy Spirit so you can bear much fruit and be my witnesses and testify of who I am. And we can't get these fruit by trying harder. This kind of fruit only comes by the power of his Holy Spirit. And if you've been put off by some of the things that you've seen or heard, and like, I don't want to go there because those people are nuts. Don't worry about the nuts. Be more concerned about the fruit. Because God said, if we don't bear fruit, I don't want the fire. I don't want judgment. Lord, I want to be called faithful. Does it mean we're going to be perfect? Does it mean we're going to be perfect? No. You should have said, heck no. Not even close. You see, that's what I love about when you're, in a, when you're in an environment where people are willing to be transparent and open and vulnerable and say, you know what? This is who I am. I'm not perfect. I'm messed up. As Lysandra was saying when, when she was leading worship, it's like we come here broken. If you come here broken, then you know what? Don't act like we're not broken. If you want to be restored and put together, then if you're broken, God will restore you and put you back together. But if you're going to act like you have it all together, God says, okay, try harder. But it's not about trying harder. It's about being vulnerable. And I can tell you that You can trust the leadership of God's church here because nobody's trying to be perfect in front of anybody. We all have our flaws. When we come to staff meeting every week, we all come to the table saying, yeah, you know what? This is not good. This is not good. This is not right. Pray for me about this. Help me with this because it's good to be broken in front of one another. Amen? And we have to call on the only one who can fix us and repair us, and restore us, and transform us, because it's by His power. Amen? So how do, we, how do we prepare ourselves for that? How do we prepare ourselves for a new way of thinking, for a new way of living? Because up until Jesus, right, the Old Testament church, the religious leaders, what did Jesus call them? Serpents. What else? vipers, hypocrites. Basically what he was saying is, these guys, these religious leaders, they're nuts. They're going to lead you down a wrong path. They don't even know me. They don't know God. They may know the scripture. They may know the words. They may know the, the rules and the regulations. And their outward appearance looks good, but they don't know me. Bible says to be transformed, right? Not to be conformed. Romans chapter 12. Here's the how-to part. Well, how do we bear fruit? How do we be more in alignment with the Holy Spirit? How do, how do we invite the Holy Spirit in? Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed right, to this world, the stuff that goes on around us, do not be conformed to that, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. If you have your Bible, circle that. If you don't have your Bible, just write it down. Renew my mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Church, if we're going to live differently, it starts with thinking differently. If we're going to think differently, what do we have to do? Try harder. It's not trying harder. Remember, I said write that down. Do not try harder. It's not about trying harder. If you're going to think differently, what do we do? Renew our minds. How do we do that? Uh, wash your hair better. How do we? How do you renew your mind? Renewing our mind is based on two things. The Word of God, which is what? The truth. Right? The Word of God is truth. Our minds are renewed by one truth, and there is only one truth. It's the Word of God. And the second thing we need to renew our minds is... Try harder. No, it's not trying harder. I know some of you still don't believe me. You're like, no, we got to try harder. It's not trying harder. The second thing is the spirit of God. First thing, word of God, truth. Second thing, spirit of God, power. You want the power to be able to do the things that you can't do. It's not trying harder. It's the spirit of God. Of God. We need a new mindset. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 17, 17 to 24. See, Apostle Paul, what does he say? There's a new man. If you want to have a new mindset a new way of thinking a new way of living for God's new church it's not the old testament church this is the new covenant church the new testament church that jesus says on the day of pentecost it's going to be unleashed this i say therefore and testify in the lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the gentiles walk in the futility of their what mind in their old thinking having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. It doesn't say stupidity. It says ignorance. They're ignorant. Many of them don't even know better. They don't even know they don't know better because of the blindness of their heart who, being past feeling, have, been given, them, have, been, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness and greediness. But you have not so learned, you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, the lusts of what? The flesh, right? Our flesh, our humanity, our humanness, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, That you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Righteousness and holiness only comes through Jesus Christ. It doesn't come by trying harder. I know for some of you it's like, yeah, that's that's not new news. I knew that. And for some of us it's like, really? I don't have to try harder? Jesus came to set us free. He said it's not about trying harder to live according to the law. But it's to receive his grace, to believe by faith, and to trust in the one who promised that he is the only one who is going to give us the power to bear fruit and bear witness to truly be the church that God has called us to be. How do you renew your mind? Word of God, Spirit of God. How often do you need to renew your mind? Daily, that's a good answer, daily. Who else? Weekly? I know some of us are like, yeah, maybe once a week. How often do you need to renew your mind? And you don't need to tell your neighbor. You know how often I need to renew my mind? About every time I inhale is about every time I need to renew my mind. I need to renew my mind on a constant ongoing basis you know why because my mind goes into places that God doesn't want my mind to go and I know some of you are thinking like right now like oh why what you thinking (laughs) didn't I just say we all fall short didn't I say none of us are perfect right We all need to renew our minds, and we need to renew our minds all the time. Because if we don't renew our minds all the time, then some of the time when we're not renewing our minds, the enemy takes us to a place where he says, it's not that bad. It's okay. What's the big deal? And then we find out what the big deal is. We need to renew our minds all the time. The time. If you're not in the word, if you're not pursuing and receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be an uphill battle. And you're going to find yourself trying harder. And you're going to be discouraged and disappointed and distracted. And God says, that's not the answer. I'm the answer. I am the answer. I'm going to get ready to close. Gonna end with this story. If it's not about trying harder, and it's all about the word of God and the spirit of God, how do we how do we apply that and renew our minds? How many of you have missed a day of reading the word? Okay, the rest of you are like, oh, you guys are awesome. As a pastor, I can tell you, I miss the day 17. No, I miss days. Why? Because I'm not renewing my mind, and I'm thinking, you know what? If I get started today, and I can accomplish these things, oh, but it's for you, God. Then you know what? Maybe today, I can take a break from your word, because I was in it yesterday, and I'll be okay till tomorrow. And you know what happens? We get messed up. And what happens? Confusion. And then you feel like you're, you're by yourself. You feel like it's just you. Anybody here ever had that feeling? It's just you, and everybody is against you? I have a good doctor you can see. no. We all get to that place, right? When you're broken, you feel like it's only me, nobody cares, nobody understands, and all these people, they're just laughing and they're waiting. They're waiting for me to fail. And God says, I'm here. Remember Elijah in the Old Testament? 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah had just taken care of the 450 false prophets of Baal. Right? They had that big showdown on Mount Carmel. And you can read about it. Read about it in 1 Kings chapter 18. I mean, if if you want to have a time to rejoice and celebrate in who our God is, and how our God hears our cries, and how our God answers us, even when we feel like it's one against 450 or one against the world, our God comes through. Amen? Our God comes through. And so Elijah had just called down fire from heaven And it wiped out the false prophets of Baal. And he should have been on this spiritual high, like, oh, my God is awesome. The presence and the power of God. I was all by myself. And my God came through. And immediately after that, what happens? King Ahab goes rushing home to tell his lovely wife, Queen Jezebel, what happened. Elijah gets to Jezreel before King Ahab, but that's another story. And when Jezebel finds out what Elijah had done, tells King Ahab, you better go find this guy, Elijah, this prophet of God, and tell him what he did to those prophets, I'm going to do to him. If you were Elijah, and just called down fire from heaven, and saw God move, and was in, were in the very presence of God, and the power of God, how many of you would have been, Jezebel, bring it on, because my God is with me. That's how we should have responded, right? That's how we think Elijah should have responded. How many of us in our moment of, Oh God, he came through again. And then right after that, we come to this place where we're kind of in that dark, scary place, and then we feel like, oh, I don't know, is God with me? And so what does Elijah do when he finds out that Jezebel wants his head? He runs. Right? He runs. And where does he go? He goes and hides in the caves. Did God say my church is supposed to hide itself? Or did he say, go out and bear fruit and bear witness? He said to go out, right? Not to stay in. But in our times of doubt, in our times of fear, in our times of anxiety and questioning, a lot of times we choose to stay in and hide. Roy, you can come up. And so in his hiding, right, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord... Knows where Elijah is. And he goes and appears to him. And how does he greet Elijah? He says this. There he went into a cave. This is Elijah. And spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? It's like, I am the God who just showed you how powerful and faithful I am. Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah responds, and he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For you, God. I've been very zealous for you. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. I'm by myself, God. Don't you see me? I'm by myself. And they seek to take my life. Lord, I'm running in fear. I know what you just did, but I'm running in fear. And then he, the spirit of the Lord, told Elijah, go out. Elijah, go out. He didn't say, go out and hide. He said, go out and stand. Elijah, go out and stand. Stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord, the very presence of God, passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. A fire. Just like the holy fire that came down from heaven. A fire. If you were Elijah, if I were Elijah, I'd be like, you're in the fire, Lord. You came down as fire. And after the fire, A still, small voice. God just came down from heaven in power, in fire. And he showed his faithfulness. And now Elijah feeling all alone, feeling discouraged, feeling afraid, feeling like everyone and everything was coming against him. And every misconception of the power of God, the spirit of God, oh, He's got to be in that wind that smashed the rocks into pieces, because that's my God. And the Lord said, "I'm not in the wind." And he said, "Oh, in the earthquake that just crumbles the mountains." Say, so "I'm not in the I'm not in the earthquake." Well, maybe in the fire. He's got to be in the fire. And God said, "I'm right here, Elijah." still small voice spirit of god if you've been freaking out thinking that the spirit of god is going to turn you into a nut church the god the god that i know He's not into transforming us into nuts that people say they're crazy. He's into transforming us to bear witness, to bear fruit, to be Jesus to somebody else that just needs to hear a still, small voice. Because in that still small voice, my God, our God, through his spirit, can do things that you can't even begin to comprehend. That's the kind of God I want. That's the kind of spirit I want living in me. To say, God, I don't want to hide in a cave. When you come, I want to be found faithful. I want to be your witness. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the end of the earth God I'm not supposed to be in a cave I don't care what people think I know you God I want your spirit I need your power because I want to be that church the church that God says I am pleased with read the Revelation there's only one church that God said I'm pleased with if we are that church I want to be that church God And you know what God said about that one church? He said, Oh, I see you. I see your works. It's good. But He said, You know what? I see that you have a little strength. I see that you are weak. I see that you're broken. You're not like everyone else pretending. You're broken. You're weak. You have a little strength. But you know what? You press on, you've persevered. And if we grab onto his Holy Spirit, we have all the power we need to be the church that God says we are that church. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you that even in our moments of doubt and confusion, even after, Lord, knowing and seeing and experiencing firsthand who you are and what you've done and what you're doing in my life, I still come to that place, Lord, where my mind needs to be renewed every single moment because the enemy wants to take me back to that old man, that old place. But God, you've made me new and you want me to have a new mindset so I can see and live and bear witness to the greater things that you have because your church has been called to go out and bear witness and bear fruit much fruit, and we can't do that by trying harder. We can only do that by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And if you're here this morning, you've never given your heart to Jesus. That's the very first step. Salvation. Receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believing with all your heart that he died for you on that cross and took your place to pay for your sin. And if that's you this morning, you want to make that decision today, then make that decision today. Because tomorrow's not promised to any of us. To say, today, Lord, I believe you are the Savior of the world. You died for me. And if that's you, all you need to do is just raise your hand. Tell me, Pastor Garrett, pray with me. I want to, I want to receive that gift and promise today. Salvation, life everlasting, the party that never ends. So if that's you... As I'm looking around the room, if you want to make that decision today for salvation, to receive Jesus in your heart for the first time, raise your hand, and I'm going to pray with you in a minute. Anyone here? As I look around. Okay, I see your hand over here. Anyone else? For today, this is the day that the Lord has made. Okay, just for you. Lord, we thank you. Your word says that All of heaven celebrates, Lord, when even one, Lord, even one, and today, one heart, Lord, is given to you, saying, today, I choose to receive and believe and confess with my mouth that you are Lord, you are Savior, there is no other, you are the way, the truth, and the life, you died for me on the cross, rose again to life everlasting, you're coming back for me because of my decision today, Lord, help me not to be a good person, Lord. Help me to follow after you and receive all that you have for me, your Holy Spirit, your power, to bear witness. Hallelujah, Lord. We say thank you for salvation. And for the rest of us, if you're here this morning, And you need breakthrough. You need some kind of breakthrough in your life, whether it's just for one thing or what. You know what? I have so many things that I need breakthrough for. I can't even count them. It doesn't matter. If you need breakthrough today, then raise your hand. Because God wants to break through whatever issue, whatever thing is holding you back. And if that's you, just as an act of faith, raise your hand and say, that's me today. Lord, I need breakthrough. The world is trying to break me but I need breakthrough. Okay, I see your hands. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, I need breakthrough. And I know I can't get it by trying harder. Yeah, there's certain things I can do by trying harder, but breakthrough is not one of them. Bearing fruit is not one of them. Being your witness is not one of them. Lord, I need you. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you, we invite you, Lord, to fill me, to overflow right now, Lord, right now, to fill me with overflow, Lord. Your Holy Spirit, Lord, in power, Lord, it doesn't have to be crazy. Your power, Lord, because there's no other way. Only you, Lord, can bring breakthrough in these areas of my life. Help me, Lord, to be that new man, that new creation, and not go back to the old ways. Renew my mind, Lord. I need you, and I need your Holy Spirit. And I say, I look forward to breakthrough, Lord, because you promise and you deliver. And we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.